You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Um, And sitting down Friday night recording, a little bit different. Um, Normally, Friday nights we sit down, we'll record the pregame show, but with Monday Night Football, um, it's a little egregious to do it this early, um, especially during this season um, with everything that's going on as far as trying to get you uh, the most accurate information possible uh, as you know, this 2020 season of craziness continues to go on in good ways and maybe bad ways, obviously uh, good ways, Cleveland Browns wise. Um, so, you know, you know, we always sit down Sunday anyway. So Sunday we'll sit down and record the pregame show and try to get you guys the best information we can. Of course, Pete Smith is here Friday night. We'll give you some thoughts here. We got a bunch of great listener questions. Um, it's a little bit more low key, you know, Friday night esque, not really pregame esque. Locked on the Browns. Uh, make sure uh, Browns Digest, SI.com. Pete and his team over there busting their butts day in, day out. At underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, myself personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Show itself at Locked on Browns. Follow back account. DMs are open. Questions, ideas for the show. You guys know the drill. Locked on Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It is made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Like I said, Pete Smith, along for the ride. Um, Pete, uh, to get started here, and we have listener questions. I have something I want to harp on here that we'll do in the third segment. So that's where we're going to roll this one down here. Um, some Friday news you necessarily did not want. Um, Austin Hooper, uh, don't know if it's a big ding like the surgery he had last time, or if it's a minor dig ding where he's out Monday night, or is this maybe dude just slept in the bed the wrong way? got a bad cramp and we didn't risk anything because Monday night's a big one. But either way, um, some Friday news that is not too favorable. Yeah, there's no details other than neck. Um, and he didn't practice, uh, you know, without any comment or anything, there's really nothing to go off on. So, yeah, I mean, that's never a part of the body you want to see with an injury. Uh, so who knows? But, uh, yeah, that's obviously of concern. Um, for the Browns heading into the Ravens game. I don't know, you know how much it changes things you know, for the scope that we're in on Friday. Um, we'll hear more tomorrow um, and Sunday. And we'll deal with it on Monday. It just, you know, it always brings the question of, you know, how, you know, how did these things happen? Because practices are so, so light right now. Um, so, you know, something just to monitor and certainly not the best of news here on Friday. Pete, Denzel Ward, um, again, on Friday here, has not practiced. Uh, but, again, it doesn't seem like anybody's, you know, so quick to rule this out. I mean, is this gamesmanship or is this, you know, hey, if there's any chance by the grace of God we think we can get him for even three quarters, let's give it a shot. That's difficult to know. I, my guess would be it's more – I don't even know if it's gamesmanship sort of. But they've been so cautious about injuries. This is why I mention it because, 
you know, normally we've seen guys practice and, you know, some guys, you know, questionable all week long. I mean, he's been doing nothing. So it does seem a little bit weird. Well, I mean, the, the example is Wyatt Teller. I mean, they took, they took arguably more time than they needed to uh, for his calf strain Um, and corners, obviously position that, you know, has to drive off that more in terms of being able to change direction and do that type of thing. Um, It's theoretically more brutal on a corner than it would be, but you know, it's hard to know, you know, in terms of degrees and all that. But I, 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 my guess all along has been, we wouldn't see Ward for a couple more weeks. Uh, But I mean, this is the same team that said Greedy Williams was day to day for a month. So I don't know <laughs> what that really means in this case. Obviously I don't think it's going to be that bad, but it's, I think it's more of a case of they don't have to say anything. So why would they? And it, it may be, who knows, maybe it's more honest than, than, than we think it is. I mean, it's easy to be very skeptical of this, but maybe they, they see, or maybe their doctors are saying it could, you know, it could be something where he just wakes up and he's fine. I, that seems unlikely. I mean, I just watching Calais Campbell hobble around against the Dallas Cowboys with the same injury. I can't imagine they're going to go that route. Especially when it seems like they've given guys, you know, the extra week. Oh, it's great. Do you think you're ready? Okay, perfect. All right. Well, we'll still see you next week. And, uh, you know, COVID case is obviously different, but, you know, that seems to be the way they've been handling things up until this point. Uh, we'll throw in one listener question here. We got a bunch to get through tonight. Um, some good ones. And I appreciate everybody, uh, you know, for jumping in here. Uh, how many more wrinkles, Pete, do you think coach Stefanski has, has he held anything back? We just started calling screens essentially two weeks ago. <laughs> oh, there's definitely more wrinkles. Uh, some of it's based on personnel. I mean, they don't have, the, the the receivers to sort of do some of the stuff that would you know isolate them one on one and go down the field. Uh, this team is a, oh, and they're not running a reverse with the wide receiver right now, other than maybe Jarvis and one of those inside ones. But they don't have that type of athlete out there right now. That they yeah. There's, so there's more more in terms of that type of stuff. I think there's more in terms of. I, I mean, I I think there's more to the the screen onion than than we've seen. So, I mean, the whole thing of the season has been slowly – it was setting up sort of your core concepts and then slowly building on them over the course of the season, which they've done well. Uh, so the answer to that is no. There's way more that they can do. It's just a question of do they have the right personnel and do they feel like they're ready. Uh, you know, even Alex Van Pelt at the bye week was talking about how much more they could put in. I mean, and we've seen some of it that – that has been used more often, like the screen, you know, Nick Chubb screens, which is great. There's stuff that we saw briefly that we haven't seen again, like running stuff out of pistol. Um, so clearly there's more in there. It's just a question of do they feel good about what they have? Does it fit the personnel they have? Uh, it, it's um, no, I, I, I'm not going to put anything past Coach Stefanski at this point. Um, you know, the tackle eligible, not that that's like that uncommon. But, you know, somebody did their due diligence and, you know, saw something on film where that became, you know, something that maybe, hey, let's throw this in. And, you know, they had mentioned how they had put it in, you know, Thursday and Friday just to have it. Um, it was a nice little wrinkle to have. I don't think it really changed anything on the grand scheme of things. 
Um, but you know, as we talked about with Mark Sessler last night, it's it, guys get excited when you know you know you know it's coming and you know it's been practiced. Guys get excited about the trick plays, um, and it's it, it's always smart coaching to do that, keep the players involved, and it's it, just a smart smart way to uh, uh, you know approach your business. We're gonna get to a bunch of listener questions, and you know I have a topic in. There's a lot of talk on it, and I, I don't know for me and the possibilities for what could be here in the rest of the 2020 regular season for your Cleveland Browns. That's one we're going to approach here in the third segment. Uh, tonight, uh, I decided to help promote some small businesses. Um, Cleveland ties, Cleveland Browns ties, Cleveland sports ties. Um, one of you guys know we've talked about it for years. Um, Isabel Apparel. Uh, Brian and his family just I adore. Um, we talk a lot. We talk about the team. You know, we, we talk, you know, him and his business and his creative um, concepts behind getting, you know, the product that gets out there, um, whether it's the store in Vermilion, whether it is ZaboApparel.com, whether it's Zabo Apparel um, on uh, Instagram, on Twitter. I do. And it is actually on Facebook as well. Um, you're looking this holiday to, you know, and look, you know, maybe budgets are tight. So a t-shirt as opposed to a sweatshirt may be different for everybody here in 2020, but they got you covered. You got a big Browns fan in your life. You got a big Cleveland sports fan in your life. Check out ZaboApparel.com. And again, Zabo Apparel through social media. And of course the store in Vermilion, uh, Vermilion. If you need something for that Cleveland sports fan this year at Christmas, that's probably the place you go, should go check out. Beat as we roll on through here, uh, with you know some more of this. It's it, it, good, and some of these guys really jumped into this, and uh, so here we go. And uh, there was a bunch from, and Will Eric, I appreciate you. Um, the fact that you would you know send me this through, and obviously the kind words about listening all the time, of course. Um, Pete, if the Ravens' defense has weaknesses, are they more in the ground game or through the air? Would this be a bigger bigger win than the Tennessee game? Would, all right, we're going to stop right there because you got a bunch of them. But the, other, the next one isn't bad, so we'll use that for another one here. Um, yeah. I'll take the easy one. I'll take the layup. Um, this win would absolutely be 10 times, absolutely 1,000 times bigger than a Tennessee win. But, Pete, Tennessee, you could obviously comment on that. But uh, Baltimore's defense, where is the weak point? Um, well, I- I think Tennessee's win is actually going to end up being bigger if the Browns win this one, uh, just because of the. You're going statistically chasing the numbers, chasing the playoff scenarios. Well, I, I think I I, I, I feel a hundred percent more confident in this game than I did last oh, week. Oh, there it is. All right, now Pete. Oh my God, we just let Pete out of the barn. Here we go, guys. Pete is on a roll. Go ahead. Well, so I don't, you know. I, I thought the Tennessee game was far more improbable. I, I think the Browns sort of that was their you know coming out party of sorts. I mean, they they sort of announced themselves on the national stage, and I've and I've been watching and listening all kinds of people talk about the Browns who who haven't been. I mean, freaking Rich Eisen is like a Browns homer at this point. It's crazy. Um, but the weakness on the Ravens right now is the running game. They they have. So against the Cowboys, they uh, between COVID and injuries, they had four defensive tackles. Uh, I don't know if they would have played Calais Campbell in that game if they didn't have to. I, I would say they certainly shouldn't have. Um, Brandon Williams, 
I think he might be back this week. I'm not sure. He had hurt his ankle before. Uh, they've got uh, uh, Broderick Johnson that's coming off a concussion, I believe. You know, they've they've just got a lot of beat up guys. And if you can get to the second level, uh, you know, I, I still I, I've watched this team so much. I still don't get what people see in Patrick Queen. He sucks. I mean, he just sucks. Uh, so, I mean, their, their whole plan was we're going to set up this wall in front of this kid who's undersized, relatively speaking, for a linebacker. He's just going to flow, flow around and make tackles. Well, he doesn't make tackles and he doesn't fly around. So if you can get him at that second level, you've got, you know, no problem sort of running the ball there. Um, the same respect, I think they get victimized quite a bit in the middle of the field uh, because – uh, their, their safety situation is not great. Chuck Clark is a, is a really good player. Elliott got away with a bad, bad no call against the Dallas Cowboys. So I think they're, they're vulnerable up the middle. Now they may be better than they were certainly against Dallas. If they've got Williams and got those guys coming back, but for what the Browns want to do, I think this really sets them up. Well, Calais Campbell monstrously big addition for them. And he's been tremendous when he's been healthy, but if he's not, if he's, if he's compromised, it it really limits what they can do. And, you know, I've had almost as much of an impact on the Ravens this year as Yannick Ngakwe has since he's been traded there. So they've got a lot of like sort of things that are not sort of finalized yet. Like Matthew Judon and Yannick Ngakwe. I don't know how much they play together, but uh, it just hasn't really delivered much. So I think, you can run the ball and you can play action. The corners are, are what they are. Marlon Humphrey's fantastic. Uh, Marcus Peters is fine. Um, so I, you know, I think running the ball and and punishing them with that can be really good against in this game. And look, yes, uh, my confidence level is high. And what I think about these two corners is, is these are guys who like the vertical game and like to, you know, attack the ball uh, against, you know, whether it's Landry or Higgins, smarter, disciplined, you know, route runners. So that's interesting. But, yeah, Pete, don't give it away. We still got to record this on Sunday. Um, but you guys heard us talk about Tennessee last week. Um, where Baltimore is, and look, this ain't just a straight COVID thing. Um, this team has had its issues this year. There's just no way around it, guys. And on both sides of the ball. And there's times where, you know, at this – how they've tried to take this offense to the next level, it may have taken them away from you know, essentially what was their bread and butter. So for that, I'm not really too sure on that, kids. Um, so, um, Pete, um, if you could keep Malcolm Smith or Kevin Johnson for the next season, which one are you keeping? Um, if I choose between them, I'd take Kevin Johnson. He's better at what he does than what Malcolm, Malcolm Smith is at what he does, in my, my in my view. I think when they've had Kevin Johnson on the field, they've been a substantially better football team. Um, Malcolm Smith, fine. There are certain games here he's been great. Um, I, I wouldn't mind having him back, but if it's a choice, um, I'd rather have Kevin Johnson back. Having said that, I think Kevin Johnson's going to cost a lot more money than than Malcolm Smith. So if you're saying which is more realistic – uh, I think keeping Malcolm Smith is. Uh, I think there's a real chance the Browns are going to have to uh, replace Kevin Johnson this offseason. Um, I, I, you know, I don't know what he's going to really demand 
in terms of his salary, uh, but if it's reasonable, I, you know, he, he's great. He's been really good in the slot. He's been effective when he's had to play on the boundary. Like he's been everything that they've wanted him to be uh, for this team. So, you know, that, uh, and just corners are just more valuable than linebackers. I would say maybe the only thing where Kevin Johnson can maybe come back is if the salary cap is going to be lowered. Um, which is rumored to be. Other than that, I'm not sure about that. Um, and Pete, you probably agree with me here. Malcolm Smith, it's not that we have our gripes with him, but isn't that essentially what this third safety to do? <laughs> Correct? Uh, it depends. If if you're, you know, perfect world, the Browns operate in a system where they've got, you know, three safeties and three corners. You'd like to have one linebacker you can sort of put on the field, but if you piecemeal it, then, you know, let's say it's, uh, you know, BJ Goodson and Jacob Phillips. Yeah. I mean, let's say Jacob Phillips is in on, you know, rundowns because they really like him, but they, you know, they take him out on in more obvious passing situations because Malcolm Smith's better at that. Or, you know, if they're going to get to the point where they can run base dime, then it could be Sione Takitaki at Mike and then coming out for, for Malcolm Smith. Cause at least right now, nothing we've seen um, suggests that Takitaki's, you know, sort of verging on being coming in a, a, a full service linebacker. I'm not going to say it can't happen, but right now he's a, he's a run thumping guy, which is great. It's a nice role to have, but uh, you don't want him on the field in obvious passing situations if you can help it right now. That would be down to BJ Goodson. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, but it, obviously they like him. And he's he, he's played well, but the question is, can you expand the role? But, you know, do you have to expand it that much if you're going, you know, more safeties? Um, this is a good one here. Again, from Will Larrick. Pete, Rashard Higgins. To resign him, what's what's the framework of a deal financially? That's that's pretty much the whole question. I don't really know what that looks like. The you know, I've seen people talk about you know being close to 10 million. I don't think he costs that much and I've seen people no. talk I don't think you know, I've seen 4 million. I don't think he takes that little. I think it's somewhere in between there. If for no other reason, he can literally look in the receiver room and go that guy's making 14 million dollars. Um the 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 framework I've sort of thought might be close. But to be fair to this new regime, those two receivers were not brought in by this regime, which brings up a whole other question, and we're not going to do that today. But it does make for the difficultness of, you know, what would appease Rashard Higgins as opposed to where the Browns right now today would be willing to go. Because you want to get this done. You want to get it done, like, now. Right. So the framework I've sort of thought – that might be in the right ballpark would be Kareem Hunt, which is six million per season for two years. Um, it gets it would get you know obviously Rashard Higgins would like some money. Um, you know he took less to sort of stay here, and 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 you know at hopefully- least like two million for at least some security for him, the girl, the dog. At least give me something where like you know I can maybe you know you know have some where I'm going to be for the next two years. Right. So like, you know, that would give, that would give both sides some wiggle room. I mean, Higgins, I think would like to be able to say, 
you know, if I get better, I'd like to make more. And the Browns would say, say, like to say, look, if you don't get better or, you know, you get hurt and we're dealing with that, then we want to have some options. But I don't know if it would quite cost six million. But again, it, it's hard because it, it, the, if you're negotiating against making it to free agency entirely, then that's where he can sort of be like, come on, I, I'm the best receiver on the team this year. And he can back it up. Um, look at the, the amount of money you're paying these guys. That's tough. So, you know, that, that's part of the negotiating process is it, it, and why, it, you know, it, it may take a while. Um, so that Kareem Hunt is sort of seems like the middle ground for me. I, I have a, it might not cost that much, but you know, it, it could be a one year deal. I, I really think they want to get, I think both sides would like to get at least another year. I don't know if it'll make it to three and four. I, I think two years is probably a pretty good sweet spot. Maybe a third year. Um, I don't Option. think that. I don't yep. think they want to keep doing this one and one stuff. I don't think anyone's ha- you know likes that situation. I think obviously you know Andrew Barry was part of the process that picked him. They liked him enough then. They liked him now. Uh, the, you know I think there's a comfort level. Obviously Baker Mayfield thrives with him. I, I don't think they want to play this game where it's like a year to year thing. No. And you know, and I think, I honestly think Higgins is going to play good soldier here. Um, And this is where this would worry you, you, if it was, you know, John Dorsey. Um, I think the Browns maybe realized that maybe they goofed on this a little bit um, and how important he is to Baker Mayfield. And now they truly got to see it because you got to keep in mind, they didn't see 2018. They only saw, you know, they really only looked at 2019. So you're not going to base something on two seasons ago. So they got him to say, hey, I'll stay here. I'm in, you know, I'll take this. But there's a little bit of, you know, Richard wants to be here, but there's also a little bit of, hey, you got to pay the piper here, so to speak. So it makes for definitely a difficult um, negotiation going further here. Um, We'll get to the third segment here and – there's a lot of talk about this, you know, as far as I'm not going to say the topic yet, but in for where this may be trending for the Cleveland Browns, this needs to be addressed. But before we get to that, this holiday season, we're encouraging everyone to shop small and support local businesses. In that spirit, we want to tell you about Pete Smith's favorite shop for Cleveland themed fan merchandise. If you're looking for a great gift for your favorite Cleveland fans, look no further than Belez and Style, a shop made for Cleveland fans by a Cleveland fan. Belez and Style offers a variety of t-shirts, crewnecks, masks, and more. Whether you're searching for Browns, Cavs, or Indians gifts, Belez and Style has got you covered. And don't forget, anytime the Browns win, Belez and Style We'll give you 20% off for 24 hours with the promo code Browns. For more information, or to check them out today, follow them on Twitter, Belez and Style, and Instagram at Belez and Style. Pete, I, I didn't know. I'm just reading the copy, and that's the way it came in. And guys, if you don't know Jenna, she's absolutely fantastic. And uh, look, I, uh, as anybody knows, Pete and I, we have softened. Over the years, um, look, everybody trying to get your piece of pie. We get it. We understand. We're all doing the same here. Um, but that's going to bring us to this. P, 
compete. There is, you know, whether it's Mike Tomlin and all the teams that are in place and structured. If the Browns split the next four games, win 11 games, and go play in the playoffs in a possible matchup where they could be favored, they maybe can win if you think about the possible opponents in this playoff game. How is Coach Kevin Stefanski beat not winning NFL Coach of the Year? Um, okay, so let's go this route. First, cross Joe Judge out. That's the dumbest thing I've heard in quite a while. If Joe Judge is not in the NFL, it's a vote or two. No that's one cares. No, and you Joe remember, Judge. I did this last year with Brian Flores. They deserve mention. Yes, you've done a nice job. Well, we're talking about who actually is winning the damn award. I don't care. He's five and seven in the NFC. Exactly. I get it. 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 Like it's the only <laughs> like if they're in the AFC South. No one cares. And I'm not going to say it's a New York thing. I'm going to say it's an NFC East crap team thing. Um, uh, If, you know, should Kevin Stefanski, he's certainly in the argument. I I don't, there's not really a good case against him. Uh, Your first year, you you come in, you're building all this stuff. You know, a, a, a rookie head coach is a difficult job in the best of circumstances. And the, and the NFL had, arguably the worst and the Browns have gotten progressively better over the course of the year. Um, while missing of- key elements while losing key players, this team played two games without their best player and their best player in defense in miles Garrett. Denzel Ward has been out for two weeks. Ronnie Harrison. Is this a Cleveland disrespect thing or are people just late to the freaking party here? Because Mike Tomlin, what are you going to give him, coach of the year? Because Ben Roethlisberger's elbow came back around? Well, I think, look, it's – the NFL media loves Mike Tomlin. <laughs> they love him. They don't – There's nothing wrong with and that. He's, but, a, he's, mean, he's a great coach. I've got him in you know that top tier of, of coaches. The problem is – always it, done. We've never disrespected him as much he, as we uh, hate them. But he ahead. always – gets a pass on some of the stuff he does um, from the kick return to, to the stuff with James Harrison, which got yep. no traction and like just some of the stuff that has gone on in Pittsburgh that just gets a complete pass. Um, so I, you know, I think there's always like this thing where they just like the same thing, you know, despite Roethlisberger is a human being, which never is weird. There's always like this desire to try to give him awards. I, I don't know what that is. Um, b- but uh, it's the same thing with like trying to give, you know, mention him in the MVP conversation, despite the fact that, you know, Baker Mayfield there has as much of an argument as Ben does this year. Um, but if, if you're saying who, who should be in the conversation for this, I, I think it comes down to uh, Tomlin, you know, it, it, I'm not going to argue with the merits there. Um, Brian Flores with the Miami Dolphins and then Kevin Stefanski. Uh, Brian Flores, it, it's going to be really, really difficult to 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 rule him out. And again, this is partly by virtue of who you play. If they come out and they steal the division from the Bills, they're, I think, just, a, you know, maybe a game or two behind at this point. They have to play the Bills at the end of the year, 
Um, obviously, they, they've implemented a rookie quarterback on the fly. They've done all these things. They're very impressed. Like, he's great. He's a, he's a, he's a great coach. Um, I, I, I think part of the argument for, for Stefanski is based in, the th- in, in stuff that I don't think should matter, which is essentially saying that, well, the Browns have been, haven't been to the playoffs since you know 2002. Like, I don't care about that. It, it, certainly, you can, you can make that case and go, well, this is the first coach to be able to do this, or this is the coach who's had the most wins if, if they get to that 11-5 and five and all these things. I just look at the merits. Like, Kevin Stefanski not only does a lot of things right, he doesn't do much of, if anything, really wrong. And that's where I think he's really strong. He doesn't have these learning mistakes. Like some of these other guys who are sort of hot coaches, like Cliff Kingsbury does just dumb stuff on game day. Like he he's a guy who's clearly having to learn from mistakes. I don't see that from Stefanski. And, and I think maybe some of it's that he's boring, that he doesn't have – you know, some of the, the, the spotlight, uh, you know, Brian Flores isn't really e- either, but he's, he's done things, whether it was, you know, releasing statements uh, regarding racial equality or stuff like that, where he sort of put himself out there. Uh, Kevin Stefanski's not really that type of guy who, who goes out and, and sort of demands credit. And, and I think in some ways, not being sort of more of a, a salesman may work against him, but just, on the merits uh, with what this team has done, especially compared to last year and the issues that were this team was dealing with, I, th- I think he's absolutely deserving. I think uh, I think Coach of the Year is as much a coaching staff award as it is for the individual, and the Browns coaching staff has been fantastic. So, yeah, I, I think he's great. I-, I don't think there's many arguments against him. I just uh, I'm tired of hearing about contrived arguments about like guys who are jumping through hoops that were made up, whether it's Joe Judge or some of these other coaches that aren't really good, but they're fine and the story can be interesting. But those are the three. I, I don't see how you can give it to anyone other than those three. And and I've heard arguments for Sean Payton. I mean, it's the same. It, it, my problem with Sean Payton. It, it, it's not a bad choice by any stretch. Uh, it's just a way that coach of the year award is sort of morphed. It's not really who's like the best coach or the best team or any of that stuff. It's always like this weird who sort of risen above the most difficulties. And I think, I think Stefanski's done an ex- exceptional job and he's sort of done some of those things that, uh, sort of stand out to the story of, of why some of those guys win. Well, for me, I think the reason maybe like he doesn't do this, and this is obviously the background from his father, who's, you know, been in professional sports forever. And, you know, look, and when he says he is focused the next week, I'm sure he goes home and he's relishing in the moment. But that's what you do, um, and you, you, you show back up, and what do we got to do this week? I, I truly believe this 1-0 mantra, it's not like it's not BS. It's not a selling point. It's truly what this franchise believes right now. Pete, what defensive player is the best scheme fit for the Browns right now, NFL draft-wise? Well... I mean, right off the right off the shoot, I would say Quiddy Pay from Michigan. 
but I don't think there's a chance in hell the Browns are going to get him the way they're going. It's go the way this is going. Yes. Uh, I mean, right now the Browns based on record would pick 27th, which is sort of stunning to think about. Obviously it's not based on record when you're in the playoffs. It's going to depend on where you finish. But, but I mean, you're looking more defensive back here than you're thinking maybe Ed Rusher, no? So, you know, because I'm such a giving person, uh, I, I am working on another mock draft slowly. Uh, I'll give you the guy that just stands out to me as, as somebody that would fit this defense beautifully uh, is Asante Samuel Jr. from Florida State. I love corners who tackle anyway. Yep. He's different but, from his dad. He is different but, from his father. It's the funniest thing. But the thing is, when you watch Asante Samuel Jr., he's really smart in understanding how the game is sort of playing. And a lot of the plays he makes on the ball aren't guys that he's covering. They're uh, they're outside sort of his responsibility. So he's a guy who sort of like thrives uh, playing forward. He's a guy who, who's good at turning and running. I'm curious to see what his top end speed is. That's sort of the one question I have with him and people will probably knock his size. He's not, you know, a six foot corner, which is weird uh, that that's sort of become more of a standard. He's probably shorter, but where the Browns are picking, but just the way he plays the game. Um, I, you know, I don't he know why he said a little bit about us talking about. Um, uh, Jairi uh, Alexander. No, well, the him, but also um, the legacy child. Oh, my God, I feel so bad right now because he's playing his ass off in Tampa Bay. But uh, Winfield. Oh, well, yeah, he's not. I mean, obviously, he's not like that. I mean, but he's not that small. But he's a legacy. He's a legacy kid who just plays physical football. Like, he's he's not afraid of anything. And I don't know why kids keep choosing to attend Florida State, it's clearly at this point. I will agree with you. I get it. I get barely it. accredited at this point. I, you know, I don't even know if the degrees are actually worth anything. But the, the, they have a bunch <laughs> of players that I really like. I did the thing that drives me like I really like Nazrul Ladine from last year's tape. Yep. Like he sort of stands out and fits in this Nasir sort Ladeen. of like yes, Tamaran he stands Terry. out and fits in sort of Tamaran this Terry. like Tamaron Terry. But, but then he like comes back. He stays in college. He goes all the way back. He works from the ACL, and he gets to play in one game. Like, that sucks. It's just awful for him. But, no, I mean, Asante Samuel is a kid. You just watch him, and and the things I like about DBs, I can't stand, like, every year. And this year is no different. There's another Clemson kid with, like, eight tackles on the season who's rated really highly. I don't know. I don't know how you 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 come to this, but Asante Samuel doesn't mess around. He he does not get cheated. He makes plays on the ball. Again, my my question with him is, what's he going to test like? But it, just in terms of the way he sort of plays, I think he fit really well in a cover three scheme. They can do some man stuff. Um, I like those guys in a lot of ways. To me, he's like a he's like a juiced up Terrence Mitchell. I mean. Uh, if he's more athletic, then he's a lot like him. And I think that's a better fit for what this team does defensively than a lot of the corners. Like, you know, the other guy, you know, JC Horns and other kids that could stand out. I have more questions yep. with him. Uh, but yeah, Samuel is a kid who just keeps, it's not a guy who gets much credit, but I think he's going to end up being sort of a first round caliber prospect, assuming he tests well. We know the way this process works. 
Pete, we're getting tight on time, mm. but I am not going to miss uh, at Luckbuck. What would you like to see over the next four weeks that gives you the most confidence that, and I'm not going to do this, I'm going to say if there were a playoff game, this team would be ready for it? Well, offensively, I, I want to keep seeing them use spacing as a weapon. Uh, so much of this year they've been operating under – uh, sort of they've been using tight formation and condensed formations and you know for people who pay attention to stuff it's hard to not to notice the amount of condensed formations the Browns have used over the year but like Tennessee was sort of the best example and they've been playing around with this you know I, I, I again I've said this I'll continue to say this Baker Mayfield's more than ready to play an empty and that makes him a really dangerous player right now uh, but that's sort of a got the offensive line that I trust we saw this last year he didn't trust it it led to a lot of bad situations this year he trusted and well it's all it's that but it's also just understanding how to how to get the ball out quick like knowing where that outlet is knowing you know what happens when things go wrong or that thing i mean like they had one where you know kareem hunt obviously missed on a block it wasn't an empty formation just missed on a block and it, and he understood how to get rid of it uh like that type of stuff and i you know that stuff's fine but just that accordion effect i think the screen game feeds into that and just messing with defenses and what kind of personnel they can put on the field and basically being able to poke and prod. My biggest issue with the the Browns, and, and I think this contributed in a large part to why they got just absolutely boat raced by the Steelers, uh, was the Steelers were so good up front, they could they were beating the hell out of the Browns there. And then because they were able to get pressure on and the Browns were in these condensed formations so much that the, there's like – seven and eight defenders just sitting in the box. There's no real window. So it, it doesn't excuse the interception uh, to to Fitzpatrick, but it just really puts a fine point on how difficult it is to like now find open receivers. And I think that effect, first, I think empty and those type of spread out formations are very effective against the Steelers. Even with RG3, the Ravens sort of showed that. Uh, but I think that's a huge advantage. Defensively, the biggest thing I'd like to see this team uh, improve on is angles. I, I can't stand watching Mac Wilson take just the worst angle possible on some of these plays. I can't stand watching Anderson Deho uh, take just a miserable angle to plays, you know, that, that obviously go bigger because he misses. So uh, particularly for guys in the middle of the field, I want to see better angles. So they avoid getting beat over the top. Like, this is again, Rich Eisen loves the Browns. He's like talking about why, why the Browns could, you know, have a chance against the Chiefs. And I, in my, in my head, I'm going, nope, not as long as they give up, you know, 20 second touchdowns to guys like, like the Tennessee Titans and Patrick Mahomes can just sit back there and go, oh, I've got all these guys down the field and they're going to take horrible angles if I chuck it. That's where I think the Browns are going to be in, in trouble in a potential playoff format where they may be able to hang. Uh, for a while, but you know th their offense has to is good the past couple weeks, and obviously has to continue to get better. But they ca you can't say you have to get us forty five. You just can't. And and against the Chiefs and teams like that, you've got to be better at being able to stop those things, or God forbid, intercept one of those passes, uh, and, and cause a turnover from that angle. My thinking is, and we we talked about this last night with Mark Mark Schessler. Um, I, I, the Browns could maybe 
keep play keep away. I love Pete, but Pete, I want to see the matchup. If we're going to get there and look, we're not talking Super Bowl and we're barely tipping our toes and talking playoffs. Um, but yeah, I mean, if there comes the opportunity to play the game, but this is where you measure and this is what you're going to see. What do we need? What are the finishing pieces? Look, there's the Kansas City Chiefs and there are 31 other NFL teams. This is what you're measuring yourself against. He is Pete Smith. Uh, and guys, love you. We appreciate it, y'all. And, you know, the uh, reviews that come through. Uh, look, Pete and I have a great relationship. Love talking ball. Um, we have, you know, outside of football, I think, you know, we probably don't agree on freaking anything. But football-wise, you know, we, we seem to travel that road. Of course, we have our differences. But check out Browns Digest, SI.com. Make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. Uh, the show itself at Lockdown Browns, follow back account, DMs are open. Me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, DMs are open, as you guys know, because we get plenty of them. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, subscribe, rate, review. Uh, we'll be back and you'll get this, you know, normal time Sunday that we get a post game show. We'll get to the official pregame show. Obviously, we have Hooper to look at. Denzel Ward to get word on. Um, whatever comes in Baltimore-wise. Uh, but, you know, Monday Night Football, you know, the whole nonsense. and dun, 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 All that stuff. We'll get you all ready for it. Um, but we'll close it here. This has been your do- daily delivery of all things low pounds. LGB on the LB. Let's go Browns.